When you hear the word holiness or purity, does anything come to mind? If I were to say this about someone, if I were to say this person is holy, what do you think of? You know, today as we look at the scriptures, I told Cindy so often wonderful things are turned into duties. Often the Christian life gets turned into checklists. And it's too bad because we set ourselves up for failure. Possibly as we look at holiness, we look at holiness as an end or the goal. I'm going to be holy. And as you think about that, and if you make holiness your goal, you must then have checklists to check yourself by. And we set ourselves up for failure. Because we know we're going to miss something on that checklist. And when we miss something on that checklist, now we feel defeated. And if we do this in a cycle long enough, we finally hit a point where we say, What's the use? I've mentioned to you one of my goals is that you would just see how good God is. That we would come to church and we would walk away And the first thing we would think of is, wow, what a God. And then we would recognize what he's done for us, how he could change us, how he wants to change us. And we see that there's hope because everything is founded not on a checklist. Did I wear this? Did I say this? Did I do this? Because you see, holiness is not our goal. Holiness is the path that we are on because of who our Savior is. And that totally changes the way we look at life. Our focus in Scripture this morning is found in 1 John chapter 3, verse 3. And every man that hath this hope in himself purifieth himself even as he is pure. Now I want you to notice this morning, this is our message today. It's 1 John chapter 3, verse 3. And I want you to notice what is the first word of our scripture passage for today. What's that first word? And. Now if you notice that, if it says and, it has to connect to something, doesn't it? And every person, every man that hath this, the and goes with what? If you were to look, and it's hard to see if, depending on which Bible you're reading out of this morning, if you're using a King James translation, 
you don't really see a paragraph markings. You don't really see what the paragraphs were. But I want you to notice verses 1, 2, and 3 are all part of the same paragraph. Remember how we studied two weeks ago. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed, infused into us, what he's given to us, that we should be called the children of God, the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And, you see how that flows right into it? And everyone, every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. What do we know so far? Verse 1, if you have received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are a child of God based on the fact that God did something for you. God infused his DNA into us. Not that we will become God, but he gave us the genetics, to be able to live what he has said. John's been very careful. You see, he could have just started in and said, now everyone that says they're a Christian ought to live this way. And we all walk away with our heads down, and we feel really discouraged because we know, based on chapter 1, verse 7, we know we are sinners, and if we say we never sin, we lie. We deceive ourselves. If we say we never sin, verse 10, we lie, and the truth is not in us. And we feel this heaviness. So what does John do? John begins, and you see it's a paragraph. This is a whole thought process. And what did he do? He began by saying, first of all, you know in, chapter, in verse 1 of chapter 3, you are a child of God. Second of all, we read, we are destined to be like our Lord Jesus Christ and will be with him. Whew, those are great thoughts that, that energizes us today. It tells us what is ahead. It tells us who we are and where we are going. And only after telling us who we are and where we are going to be, then he says, and... The natural, obvious thing that's going to take place is everyone who is on this path, who is in the kingdom of light, purifieth himself even as he is pure. You see, God's children walk on the path to where they're going. Could that be any more simplistic? If you're going to get here, you have to be on the path to get there, and on the path to get there is a specific path. My Lewis and Clark in life is Cindy, okay? Cindy is my map person. She loved the big Rand McNally maps. She could have this big thing spread on her lap and we would be traveling. And our first year, all we did was travel. That was my, our job. We worked for a, a college and all we did was travel our first year. Great way to start a marriage. You never have to be apart. But she was my Lewis and Clark. Me, not so much. To me, one of the, if you ask Cindy what is the greatest stress reliever that ever took place in my life, she would say GPS. 
I live by it. I enjoy it. I am a distracted child, I will tell you. When I go out and I do things, my mind is multitasking. At least that's, that's the word that I like to use. It sounds good and important. I'm distracted, okay? We'll, we'll just call it what it is. And so we would travel, and she would pretty regularly say, where are we? And I would say, why? <laughs> and I can remember when we had just finished our year of traveling, and we were heading to our first place of ministry. And we're driving to her brother's house before we would go to where our ministry was. And I can remember we had been driving, it was a long day, and she had kind of been dozing off and on. And she wakes up and she looks at me and she says, where are we going? And I said, to your brother's house. And she said, and what direction would that be? And I said, that would be east. And she said, and why is the sun in our eyes? And I said, because we are going west. <laughs> you see, the path to her brother's house was a very specific path. And I could be on any path I wanted to, but if I was going to be there, it would sure, I should be seeing landmarks along the way because I'm on this way. And John is saying, look, because you are in God's family and because you know where you're going, this is the path. When it finally clicks with you, this is where I'm going. Then you will also say, then this is the path that I'm on. And therefore, John says, and every man, every person that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. We look forward to heaven, therefore we go forward. There's a, often a disconnect in our lives. Where am I going? I'm going to heaven. Then why are you going the opposite direction? Why are you living as if, you know, why are you driving backwards in your car and you're always looking this direction even though we're heading this way? And all of a sudden we begin realizing so much of our lives are still filled with the old things that trashed us. They're filled with the old things that were there. But when we have the right focus, you see, holiness is not our goal. Holiness is just a path. Where we're really heading is toward Jesus Christ. And we know that's the path, and we know that that's God's promise. And we'll come to that in just a little bit. Remember... Maybe if, if you've kind of been around church or you've grown up in church, do you remember the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus and his disciples went up on this mountain and Jesus transfigured? Jesus, his glory began shining through his physical body. Normally it was veiled. Normally you couldn't see that. You saw Jesus as a person. You didn't see his glory. And you remember what, you remember what Peter did when he saw the glory, and he saw Moses and Elijah there. What did Moses do? He said, this is great. Let's build three booths here, and let's just stay up here forever. And God says, this is my son. Listen to what he has to say. And all of a sudden, everything else was gone, and they come back down from the mountain, and everything was glorious, wasn't it? No, they came down and they found a dad and his demon-possessed son and real world settled right back in again. 
We have been spending time on the mountaintop in verses 1 and 2. And John now brings us back down that mountain. And he says, and here's where we live. Here's where we are. In verse 2, we have seen the future. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, but it doth not yet appear what we shall be. For we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. We've seen the future. We see where we're going. I'm not what I'm going to be like. Amen, amen, right? I'm not what I'm going to be like. There is something much better that is coming. When I understand that, I want to do the other. When we grasp or understand the one concept, it drives us, it pulls us along on the path. You see, purifying ourselves is the natural byproduct when we realize what we are. You see, I'm not going to have you raise your hands, but in your mind, if you've received Christ as your Savior, would you just, in your mind, raise your hand for a moment and think about what you're just telling me? You are now telling me, I'm going to be like Jesus. It's a guarantee. It's going to happen. This is what God has before us. Often people will say, well, I don't understand eschatology, which is the study of last things. And we've talked about that off and on. Why is doctrine so important? Why is the doctrine of eschatology so important? You say, I'm not going to be here anyway. Why does it matter? Because you see, what we know about the future impacts the way we live today. Doctrine is really important. We live in a time when people are always just saying, don't give me that boring doctrine. Just give me something practical. When I go to church, I just want something practical. Tell me how to live. And you go out saying, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. But you see, the doctrine drives how we live. When we're weak in our doctrine, we will fail in our duties. We will fail in what we do because we haven't made the connection. You see, when I know something, what I believe affects how I behave. And when I don't really know, but I've just been told do, the problem is I can't do the checklist all the time, and therefore I get discouraged. That's why I love teaching you doctrine. I've so enjoyed being with you, whether it's here at church, whether it's in your home, whether you're in my home, whether we're at a coffee shop. It doesn't matter to me. I get the opportunity to give you tools. And once you understand the tool, it changes you. Is that making sense? I'm getting a lot of blank eyes. Hi, my name is Mike Felber. I'm glad to be here this morning. And I, I really, this morning, want you to see some important truths as we look at this. You see, every man, notice how there is no exclusion here. This isn't for the super-Christians. And every super-Christian that hath this hope in him, no. And every man, 
every person. And the connection is to verse 2, and it brings you to verse 3. And every person that grasps this purifies himself even as he is pure. And the problem in many of our churches and the problem even in our church today is when we don't grasp the truth, when we don't grasp the doctrine, we don't live the life because we have made the path the end goal. Doctrine and our doing go together. Holiness is the outflow of a relationship. Holiness is not something we are called to do. Holiness is where we are walking as we uh, approach Jesus Christ. Holiness is what we do because of what we are. I do not live a holy life in order that I may become a Christian, but I live a holy life because I am a Christian. I do not live a holy life in order that I may go to heaven, but because I am going to heaven, I live a holy life. In whom is our hope? Notice verse 3 there where we read, And every man that hath this hope. What is the this? Is that talking about in himself? That hath this hope in him. Who is that him? Look at verse 2. And every man that hath this hope in Jesus Christ, that's the him. You see, every man who grasps the truth of being like him purifies himself because he is pure. I'm going to be like him. I have this hope in him. Therefore, it drives me on a certain path. It leads me on a certain path. It's not difficult because it's where I want to be. You see, relationship impacts reality. Let me see if I can make this click. I'm going skiing, therefore, I get skiing equipment. Not, I buy skiing equipment with the hope that maybe I'll get to go skiing. Um, I'm going to Hawaii, therefore I'm going to buy lightweight clothes. As compared to, I buy lightweight clothes in hope that by having those clothes, I will end up in Hawaii. We men kind of like this one. You know, we buy tools because we are building a house. But sometimes, we just buy tools and we hope that maybe we'll have something to do with those tools later. All right, we can, I'll be an amen or something in that one, that's right. <laughs> You're hoping your wife picks up on that one, yeah. Men buy tools. Why did you buy that? Um, I don't know yet, but we're gonna need that tool. And you'll be happy that I have that tool. See, holiness, we don't get holy in hoping we're going to end up in the right place because we are already family and because we're already going here. 
That's why we do holiness. It totally changes the pressure. It changes the feeling of this. You see, holiness is not something we receive. Now, I am righteous. We, we know justification. Justification is Jesus Christ takes my punishment, and because Jesus Christ took my place, he is my substitute, he is my propitiation. It's a better word than substitute, but we probably don't use that word very often. Because he is my propitiation, therefore, before God, I am righteous. I am declared righteous, not because I'm righteous, but because I got Christ's righteousness. But holiness is not something that we receive. Holiness is something we work out. I am a child of God. I have an inheritance waiting for me. I see the glory that awaits me beyond death and the grave. In light of these facts, I proceed to work this out. Would you turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2? I want you to see verses 12 and 13. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. We have this if-then statement here. He's talking to the beloved. He's talking to believers. He's not saying you need to work really hard to get saved. That wouldn't be in the context. Some people have used that verse that way, but if you ever ask them to read the whole thing together, you'd say, that doesn't say that. What is he saying? He says, because you are saved, he says, focus on the end of your salvation. Focus on where you're going, and you work that out with this fear and trembling, not fear of losing it, but with this this desire to do it right because God is working in you you work in partnership with God every day is a day where according to John every man that hath this hope this hope in him in Jesus Christ purifies himself Paul says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling you see behavior impacts what we become Every day we are working toward what we're going to be. Let's go back to 1 John chapter 3. We purify ourselves because of Jesus Christ. The focus is on Christ, not on you. My goal is we're going to glance at where we are, but every time we get together, let's see God. Let's see what God is doing. What is the focus on Jesus Christ? He's coming back. Lord willing, next week, if, I can, if we can get everything together next week, I hope as part of the service we will have, again, the Lord's Supper. We do it about once a month. Some churches do it every week. Other churches do it every longer. The Bible doesn't prescribe how often you must do it. It just says every time you do this, remember me. 
What are we remembering? We're remembering that Jesus Christ is coming back. That drives us to a whole different kind of thought process. It drives us to remembering, you know what? I don't know when he's coming back. We believe in the imminent return of Jesus Christ, which means he could return at any minute. The imminent return of Jesus Christ means he could come today. You know, I love being a grandpa. It's okay, I'll see my grandkids in heaven. I don't have to stay here today. I love my wife, my wife's gonna be in heaven. There's no reason for me to say, oh, I need to stay here. I love being your pastor. I love doing what I do. But I would much rather be in heaven. All of a sudden, we begin looking at this and we begin realizing we focus on Christ, not on ourselves. He's coming back. We focus on the power of our Lord to change this sinful body into a glorious body. Holiness doesn't stem from a list. Holiness is rooted in a relationship. So how do we purify ourselves? First of all, it's an active process, not a passive. It's not a let go and let God. Holiness, you know, it's not someone who submits to purification. But you notice what our text says. The emphasis is on the activity. He purifies himself. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. You see, in 1 John 1, when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse. But I want you to notice what he's telling us in this passage is we have an active participation in this. He is telling us, cleanse yourself from all of these, um, from all of these things. In just a minute, uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Put to death these things. And what does the list say? Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness. How do I do that? How do I put to death these things? Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Look at his life. Look at God's goal for you. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Remember, predestination is a word for saved people, not unsaved people. Colossians chapter 2. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your affections on things above. What happens is we are so distracted with all the things that are going on, we miss out on what God has for us. Set your affection. Start, start being interested in this. Start learning about this. Learn about what God has for you. Learn about what's coming up ahead. It's like 
knowing you're going to make this big trip. And so what do you do? You start studying about where you're going to be. You start studying about how you're going to travel. You start studying all these different things so that you can literally be excited about this. And then as you start making that journey, you're recognizing things along the way rather than just going, yeah, GPS says turn right here. We set our affection on things above. We spend time in the scriptures because the scriptures explain to us what's coming up. You see, there is no badge unless you're using version and you get a badge because you've read so many days in a row. There is no badge spiritually for just reading your Bible. I hope that doesn't rattle your cage. Just because you read your Bible doesn't mean you're spiritual. We read our Bible because it tells us where we're going. It's the lamp to our feet. It's the light to our path. It explains life so that we know how to live. It's the letter God gave to us so that we can mortify these members. It's the letter God gave to us so that we know where we're going. So begin focusing And read the scriptures so that you can know that path. It won't just happen. And meditate on eternity rather than the next thing on your calendar. Oh, you got to look at the calendar. you got to know what's coming up. But how often do we just think about eternity? What's it going to be like? You see, think about these things. That's how you purify yourself. Oh, did you miss the checklist that I just gave you? You didn't hear one, did you? I just said, look at Jesus. And notice how the end of the verse goes, and every man that purifieth himself, every man that hath this hope of him in us, purifieth himself even as he is pure. You notice the focus is, look at Jesus. You know, it's important that we recognize. So how do we do this? We look at Jesus. We love things that are above. Third, recognize that even the afflictions here on earth have an eternal purpose. You're going through hard things. You begin to wonder, does God love me? Well, I refer you to chapter 3, verse 1. I refer you to chapter 3, verse 2. Paul wrote this, he says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and, and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And we begin realizing, do you know God brought me through things in my life and has been bringing me through things in my life so that I would have this focus? And God didn't bring me through the things that he brought you through. And God didn't bring you through the things that he brought me through. But he's bringing all of us through things so that we stay focused on this eternal weight of glory. What encouragements does God put before us so that we live this way? If I believe that I am a child of God and that I'm going to heaven and to glory... If I believe this life is uncertain and may suddenly come to an end at any moment, then I shall be with the Lord and in all the glory and perfection. 
then it is illogical for me and unreasonable to go on living the opposite way. Do you see why this doctrine is so important? The doctrine directs what our values are. If you just are thinking, I got to do, 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 you're going to fail, 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 and you're going to be discouraged, discouraged, discouraged. But when you realize the doctrine, it leads you to a life of purity. The reason for holy living is because of who you are and what you will be. Because of who we are and what we shall be, we actively look to be like Jesus. The final statement here is, even as he is pure, you're not trying to impress me today. You're not trying to impress fellow church members today. You're not trying to keep a checklist today. You're just looking and comparing what he does and what you do, and then you're trying to imitate Jesus. It is hard for me to imagine that all of my children are grown and out of the house. Some of my really fun memories are when the snow would really have fallen and I would be out walking in the snow and my kids would be behind me. And when they were really little, I mean, they're almost having to hop from one step to the next. And you would see my footprint and then you'd see all these, all these little footprints around that. But you know, as they grew, their step, their stride matched my stride so much more. Just look at Jesus. Follow Jesus today. Don't, don't put yourself in the checklist box. But interestingly enough, you know, all the things that people were telling you, you've got to do this, got to do this, got to do this. As you just walk like Jesus, you're going to all of a sudden begin finding, huh, this is the way Jesus does it. I guess I'll do that. I love this song, maybe you know it. Would you open your hymnal to number 461 and would you just follow along the words as I read these to you or as I sing these to you? 461, my parents used to sing this and I would listen to it and I can still hear their voices but more than the voices and more than the music, I want you to look at the words. Oh, to be like Thee, blessed Redeemer, this is my constant longing and prayer. Gladly I'll forfeit all of earth's treasures, Jesus, thy perfect likeness to wear. Oh, to be like thee, full of compassion, loving, forgiving, tender and kind. 
helping the helpless, cheering the fainting, seeking the wandering sinner to find. Oh, to be like thee, lowly in spirit, holy and harmless, patient and brave, meekly enduring cruel reproaches, willing to suffer, others to save. Oh, to be like thee, oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, pure as thou art. Come in thy sweetness, come in thy fullness, stamp thine own image deep on my heart. How will you purify yourself today? Be like Jesus. Totally different when you start just looking at the person. Just walk in his steps. Uh, you'll probably see where your boot kind of skids on the snow a little bit before it drops in. But you know, the more you focus on Jesus, it's going to change. You will be changed into his likeness. Hebrews said, lay aside all these weights and all these things that so easily distract us by doing this checklist, right? No. Just looking unto Jesus. That's my goal for you today. I believe as you start doing that, you're going to start saying, oh, you know what, this needs to change in my life. Not because your preacher tells you you have to. It just doesn't look like Jesus. One day I'm going to be like him. And he told me to start working out that process even now. What a great day. If you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, most of everything I've said this morning really sounds strange. You wish it could be that way. You know you've got these things in your life and you say... I don't even like myself when I'm like this. Let me tell you a secret. You can't change yourself. Accept the gift that God's given to you. He's already paid for all this sin debt for you. And then he says, then I'll empower you. You see, you can't do this without God's gift. God's gift is not purity. God's gift is eternal.